the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Todd Marquardt, attorney at law in Texas. If you're a millionaire or a thousandaire, Talk Law Radio is now on the air. Call in with your business law question, your elder law question. Veteran aid, Medicaid, build a business to get paid. 210-308-8867. Or ask a question online at marquardlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T, lawfirm.com. And now, it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Welcome to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt. We're on 930 AM The Answer, KLUP. Also on podcasts everywhere, Facebook Live, YouTube, and TalkLawRadio.com. Today, we're talking to Carlos Garcia about his life and how he got to where he is today. And uh, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thank you, Todd. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I really didn't come up with a good summary for the show. That's why I'm just getting right into it, just to start talking about your life, because it's really your life that I'm interested in talking about. I appreciate that. Yes, uh, so my name is Carlos Garcia. I'm a life insurance agent here in San Antonio. I'm independent, so I'm able to work with a ton of different carriers. So we're able to come up with different plans specifically for each client's needs. Um, In the past, I was a truck driver. We've talked about it. I've had my own. uh, Let's go way back. Okay. Tell us, uh, where did you grow up? I grew up here in San Antonio on the southwest side, um, over by the Valley High area. I went to Southwest High School, graduated in 2002. um, What kind of neighborhood was that? So I grew up in between two fairly bad neighborhoods. Um, the one uh, is off of off of Old Pearsall Road. That's that's a tough area, and we ended up moving here and there from you know in that same area. Um, it, it taught me a lot in growing up there because you know we don't have the same kind of um, resources that in, that people have in other areas of town, and that's one thing. That's the reason why I ended up wanting to get in, getting into the financial industry is because nobody goes out there and helps people out that are in that area. So I wanted to try to change that trend. I wanted to be a resource for people out there in that area. You're an entrepreneur. Tell us about your your first experience with work. So, like I said, I was a truck driver. Um, that's my truck driver. Um, that's my profession, my trade. And I started a company um, a few years back uh, during COVID, and it's we put it in the oil field. It's been, you know, rates have been going up and down, but it's been uh, it's been an experience so far. And there's a lot of things that I had to learn on my own because, you know, we don't have, like I said, we don't have resources to teach us about business, about taxes, you know, how to make sure that we ha- we utilize our taxes properly. So. Mm-hmm. so you mentioned the rates. What what do you mean by that? So and being a, a trucking company owner, you have to bid on your own jobs. So, you know, someone can come in and underbid the rates that you currently are are running under. So it, it all depends on how the market is. Whenever it's cold, sometimes, you know, they don't need as much product anymore. Um, whenever uh, I had my trucks in the oil field, so sometimes it would slow down in the oil field. They wouldn't need as many trucks out there. So, you know, we would have to wait around, you know, or sometimes jobs get canceled and then you don't, you're not, you don't have work. So you, you have to be able to adjust. And when the rates go, I mean, when the jobs, when they lose jobs, well, then the rates are going to go down because they don't need as many, as many drivers anymore. And what kind of stuff did you transport? So in the I had to I had to you know work with with what the market was giving us. So at first I was in the oil field. I was hauling sand in the oil field, and then it the rates went down. 
I ended up buying a dry van, so I was moving stuff. I was moving products for Walmart, for Home Depot, um, clay pottery out of out of Laredo. There, I would go all over Texas. I didn't want to be gone too long, so you know, one night, two nights a day, I'm mean, a week would, you know, be typical for me to stay out. And then the rates dropped on there. Um, diesel prices went through the roof, so I got back in the oil field, and it kept us busy for a while. You did some other things in the oil field too. Talk about that. Yes. So, in I've been in the oil field for most of my trucking. Um, experience and I got an opportunity in 2012 2013 to move out to West Texas and become an operations manager I went out there and I managed a um, uh, it's a company that moves the equipment for the oil field companies and we would move frack pumps um, cement slides everything in the oil field so what we would do is the oil field companies that were doing the fracking they would give us a call and they would say hey I need 15 pieces of equipment moved. From there, then I figure out, you know, how many personnel, we're, how many drivers we're going to need and what we're going to need in order so that way we can get the job done and, and effectively so that way we don't take up a, a lot of time. And then from there, we will um, go do the job and, you know, then we'll have another job coming up after that. And then after that, I was able to move into the safety aspect of, of the oil field uh, the owners of that company um, decided not to keep the company anymore, so um, I had to look for something else, and I found a job out there um, doing safety. So, and, and what did you do exactly to keep everyone safe? Well, I, I had to know the rules. I had to know the regulations, the new regulations that were coming through. I had to, you know, there's a in in trucking, it's it's always operations versus safety. Because safety wants to find every way to do the job safely. If the truck is in good standing order, the driver is in good standing order, then the job could proceed. But if their equipment isn't in good standing order, then it's the safety's job to stop the stop the job and make sure that it gets fixed beforehand. But operations wants to get the job done right now. Right. So I had to learn both aspects, and that's that was the tough part. Is you know we have to move the the equipment so that way the company can make money. And if we don't move the equipment, then we're standing still and somebody's going to get blamed. And if it's the safety guy, well, we need to make sure that we're safe out there. So that way DOT, the Department of Transportation, doesn't stop us and Mm -hmm. we get citations. And was all this learned by on-the-job training? A lot of it was on-the-job training. A lot of it, uh, you know, the other part of it, you know, I had to do my own research, do my own work and, you know, read the rules and regulations books and, and really hone in on it and, and try to learn from other safety people also. So I would um, contact some the Department of Transportation and have some of the troopers go out and do a, a DOT inspection on some of the trucks and have, like, little classes, and they would teach, um, you know, all the drivers. The oh, right okay. Mm-hmm. You learn from the regulators themselves. Exactly. Okay. And— when you were in high school, is this something that you thought you would get into? No, never. So when I was in high school, um, the, the life insurance and financial aspect, yes. When I was in high school, it's always been a dream of mine to to work in, in an office, you know, dress up in a suit, you know. And, and I've always been a numbers cruncher person, you know. I, I was really good in math. Um, <clears throat> some classmates and I would have a competition, see who would get higher grades and mm-hmm. We would uh, do extra credit so that way we can, you know, get get the highest grades. And um, so I've always been into numbers, and it's my bread and butter. Been doing the trucking part. No, that that would. How was. did you get into the trucking? So I was working at the Budweiser warehouse here in San Antonio, and you have to get your CDL. So I got my CDL, and it just wasn't what I wanted to be doing in the warehouse. And then I didn't want to be out there, you know moving all the cases, you know, 1,000 cases per truck. I didn't want to do all that, so um, I did some research, and it was good at the time. It was in 2006, you know, making money as a truck driver was good at the time, so that's we ended up taking that that route. You went to a a specific truck driving school? Yes, it was a Roadmasters. And got certified? Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yes. And uh, you told me that uh, you drove in, in almost every state except uh, North Dakota. North Dakota, yeah, that's the only state that I, you know, from the contiguous uh, states, yes. I've never been, I, I never drove to Alaska. <laughs> and it's kind of hard to drive to Hawaii from here. So, yeah. yeah. So what was that like driving around the country? Was that before your kids were born? Yes, it was before my kids were born. Um, that was in 2006. Uh, I got off the road in 2007. It was it was an experience seeing, you know, all the different scenery. You know, I've driven through the mountains, you know, when it snowed and there's ice on the on the highways and, you know, they shut down the highways in the mountains. I've seen the Statue of Liberty. I've seen everything. Alcatraz. I'm glad you mentioned ice on the highways because I wanted to ask you about uh, the Ice Road movie. Okay. We'll talk more about that after the break. Stay tuned. All business owners and industry leaders seeking to elevate your brand and align with a highly targeted audience. Talk Law Radio invites you to partner with us in bringing in-depth interviews with expert guests, thought-provoking discussions, and practical advice on a variety of matters to the listening audience. Let us get your business name out into the community. Log on to TalkLawRadio.com to find out how you can become a sponsor. That's TalkLawRadio.com. 930 a.m. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt, 930 a.m. The Answer. Also on podcasts everywhere, Facebook Live and YouTube. Also, you can go to TalkLawRadio.com and find previous episodes there. You can search uh, whatever area of law you have concerns about. might learn something. And if you need more information... Head on over to our sponsor, Marquardt Law Firm, and you can chat online or you can give them a call and schedule an appointment and talk to an attorney. Today I'm talking to Carlos Garcia about his life. Uh, We've been talking about his trucking experience, his experience in the oil field. And uh, before the break, I asked him about the Ice Road movie. Uh, You didn't see the movie, but you've watched the show. Yes. Yes. So, is that what it was like for you driving on ice? Not even close. No. Uh, (laughs) So, I whenever it would get icy to me is too dangerous. I'm I was born and raised here. Ice is evil to us. So, I'm not. I don't. I don't drive on ice. I don't know how to. I don't know how to ice skate. So, I'm not going to learn in an eighteen wheeler. Oh, right. That's always been my saying. So, yeah. um, You know, personal injury attorneys are famous for uh, putting targets on eighteen wheeler drivers. What's that like for you and the guys that you work with in the industry to, so, to have a target on your back? It's definitely tough because it's like everything else. If you do the right thing, then you should be okay. You know, there are accidents that happen. Um, but if you're able to, you know, do the job correctly, check your truck, make sure everything's good, then you should be okay. You know, I I've, I've, haven't been in a situation like that, and I hope I never am. And I know that, you know, attorneys – they have a very important job to do, and there are some negligent drivers out there, and that that's you know it's just part of life. It's reality. But every I, every industry has their problem people. Exactly. Yes, and and so it. I mean, it's no different in trucking. You know, there's there's drivers that they don't check their trucks, or you know, they go to work, you know, drunk or high or something. You mm-hmm. know, and it's just it, it's a reality, and I've seen people do it and I've, you know, tried to, you know, get them not to go out, you know, things like that. And that it's just, you know, I, I stay away from people like that. It's just not mm-hmm. worth it to, to be around them, you know, because I could be out there. They can hit me. They could hit my family. They can hit their own family. Right. You know, it's just tough. Tell us about uh, how, how you developed a passion for financial security um, by, by working in the industry that you're in. What did you see that led you? So in the oil field, uh, I would be out there, you know, in, in, in any day, 103, 105 degree weather, and I would see people in their 50s, 60s, you know, out there swinging hammers and throwing hoses, working hard, sweating. And I always thought to myself, if if they're, you know, already, 
you know, in their 60s and they're out there working that hard, maybe if somebody had taught them how to, you know, plan financially, then maybe they wouldn't be in that situation. You know, they could be at home with their kids or relaxing or grandkids, maybe even vacationing if they plan, you know, accordingly. Mm-hmm. And it all it was always in my head because, you know, it's, it's tough to see people out there, you know, um, I in that in that age group you know, working that hard. Right. You know, it, it's tough for someone that's in their 20s and 30s and, and their 40s. You know, I can't even imagine someone in their 60s out there, you know. and uh, So that's always been in the back of my mind is if someone was out there to go help them, you know, go be a resource to them and show them, you know, there's different ways that you can, you know, make your money work for you, then why not? You know, why not try to help them? Why not try to help them invest in different things so that way they they plan properly? And how did you make the transition from trucking to financial planning? So when I was in West Texas uh, with when I was um, the operations manager in safety, I um, would receive calls and emails from um, from New York Life and uh, from a recruiter from New York Life, and I ignored it for a little while because you know I just you know see New York Life and I just thought you know I'm I'm in the trucking industry and this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life you know and then it hit me, you know, I always wanted to do something in the financial industry. And then I took that opportunity. I, I reached back out to them and, you know, I went to New York Life. I was there for a while and gained a ton of experience there. And it just, it was it was a great experience. Okay. So you started at New York Life and you were working your mission, trying to help mm-hmm. the guys that you work with probably. Is yes. that what you started? Yes. So when I was when I was there, I, I, I wanted to focus on you know blue collar businesses and um, oil field and personnel, truck drivers. You know th- those are the people that I've seen you know breaking their backs every day, and you know nobody goes out and helps them. Is, is from my experiences. So it's a little tough with uh, with uh, with their underwriting. You know, so there were people that I was not able to help, and it was a little frustrating. So from there, I went to Mass Mutual. So w- tell us more about that. What What is the underwriting, and why didn't they fit in that box? So in the underwriting, it's it's it. They consider truck driving and oil field a very dangerous occupation. It, it can be dangerous, but there's tons of rules and regulations that you know keep it as safe as possible. Uh, most of the people that go out to work, they come home every day. You know, it's not, you know, there's not someone that's losing their life every single day out there on the on, right. the, on the oil field. So, but they consider it a very dangerous occupation. So there's a lot of limitations to try to even get them approved. And that's that was very, very tough because that was who I wanted to help, you know. And life insurance is one of the the foundational uh, parts of a, a good financial plan mm-hmm. is uh, protecting your your spouse and your children in case something does happen. Exactly. And and then you build up from there your savings and your investments and your retirement. So starting exactly. with life insurance was the natural thing to start with. For sure. Yes. And so uh, you went to Mass Mutual to be, because maybe it would be easier to get people qualified. It was. Um, I was. I was able to help a lot more, a lot more individuals out there, and and it was, the underwriting was a little more flexible. Um, it was a different type. I learned the different ways to plan. Also, it wasn't just, you know, certain life insurances. It was how to use life insurance as a financial, you know, to to build up your, to accumulate your funds, you know, mm-hmm. and that was huge for me, because that that's part of it. You know, that's part of life insurance and the financial planning part is to build up your funds. It's it's the protection part, of course, but there's ways where you're able to accumulate. accumulate. While you're alive. Exactly, while you're alive. And you're able to use those funds. And I learned a lot of different strategies there at MassMutual. But you're not there now. I am not there. So what happened is um, COVID hit. It was tough for me to get in front of a lot of people. Um, you know, we couldn't meet him. We couldn't meet face to face. Zoom is a little impersonal, and it just it just wasn't the same. And just before then, I had start, That's when I had started the trucking company. And so 
you know, when things slowed down, I said, you know what, well, maybe this is my time to focus on the trucking and, you know, build it up and and really focus on that for a while. And then when things settle down from COVID, then I'll be able to get back into the life insurance. And that's exactly what I did. Okay. So what kind of company do you work for now? Um, I'm an independent agent right now with uh, Dominion Strategies. And so the, it's a brokerage and we work with uh, – I think it's 24 different carriers now. So it's a lot more flexible in the aspect that I'm able to create a whole plan from top to bottom, whether it's, you know, life insurance, disability, or you want to accumulate your funds, that I'm able to, to do a lot more extensive planning for my clients now. Okay. That's good. So you've talked about some things that agents have to worry about when they're uh, working with a new client, uh, the underwriting. Mm-hmm. And then um, you, one time when we were talking, you mentioned the cost, too, that um, some companies are, are more expensive than others. And so when you're working in this new company as an independent agent, how does – are you able to shop more carriers? Yes. yes. You, you mentioned that. So there's different carriers – they they focus on different things. You know, there's some that, you know, if you're very wealthy, they'll approve you whether your health is in tip-top shape or not. There's other carriers that, you know, they'll, they're a little, bit more, a little more lenient. You know, there's some carriers that don't accept diabetics, and, you know, diabetes is huge here in San Antonio, and, and there's some that they will, they will accept, um, you know, diabetics and people with, you know, um, below average health mm-hmm. so, and then their monthly premiums reflect it you know there's there's if you're unhealthy well then you know your premiums are going to be a little bit higher but I'm able to shop around and and find you the right plan for you okay well I wanted to say what the attorney thinks about because when a new client comes into me I ask them all about their money and stuff to because we talk about where it's all going to go after they pass away and also how they're going to pay for their long-term care if they become disabled or incapacitated. So what the attorney thinks about is um, who did you designate as the beneficiary? Because mm-hmm. we want to make sure that that transition is going to work. And sometimes we see somebody designate their minor child as the beneficiary, and that causes problems because the life insurance company is not allowed to pay money to a minor child. Um, did you designate a disabled child? We don't, we don't want you to designate a disabled child either because they're not going to be able to manage the money for the same reason that a, a minor child wouldn't. Or they might be receiving government benefits, and we don't want the inheritance to disqualify them from government benefits. And so we can use a supplemental needs trust or a special needs trust to help preserve the inheritance and help them remain qualified. Also, we ask, um, did you designate somebody who you, quote, unquote, think is going to do the right thing? where they, they're, they're designating somebody who's supposed to take care of somebody else, um, and that's what I call doing the right thing, when really if, if you set up a trust, then that one person would be the trustee for the beneficiary, and it's a more formal and, uh, relationship, and it's all written down and legally enforceable. Other problems is if you name your extramarital um, partner, that's not no bueno there either. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and um, finally, have you considered whether the proceeds are going to cause your estate to be subject to the federal estate tax, the death tax? The death tax. Um, there's not a whole lot of... Uh, people around San Antonio with more than $12 million, but there are some, and they may not know that they're above that limit. Uh, I've run into a few people in my career, they didn't really know how much money they had, 
because it was all spread out over so many different types of accounts. Exactly. Or business owners. That's true, too. So I just wanted to mention that. What do the what does the attorney think about? Um, what are some other aspects of, of life insurance that, that you think about when you're dealing with a new client? Um, those are all good ones. The beneficiaries is, is huge because there's people want to, you know, they everyone wants to put their, their kids as beneficiaries. But if they're under 18, then they, they're going to have to either wait till they're 18 or it'll go into probate. And it just gets into, into a big old hassle that a lot of people don't think about. Um, the estate planning aspect is is really we have to come up with a good plan because it's not just about um, it's not just about what's going to happen as soon as you die. You have to come up with plans, you know, and that's when the wills and the trust come into play. So that way we know where the funds are going. Yeah, we got to take a break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt here with Carlos Garcia, who's telling us uh, about his life growing up in San Antonio, uh, starting a career in the trucking business and the oil field business, and transitioning over to the, the financial services business where he works now helping people with life insurance. And uh, I was talking about what an attorney thinks about when uh, looking at clients' life insurance policies and how that's going to fit into the, their estate plan. But now it's the uh, third segment, our Sinners and Saints segment, so we're going to talk about that now. You remember the Meredith Brooks song? The, yes, uh, I want to explain this. Yeah, that's a good song. <laughs> it is. Uh, the reason I like to talk about sinners and saints is because uh, I grew up uh, in the Lutheran church, and okay. Martin Luther said that we're all sinners and saints, but when we sin, we're forgiven and absolved. And so it just gave me the idea to talk about somebody who's been charged or prosecuted for a crime and then also talk about somebody that's doing something good. And when we were talking earlier this week, I, I was asking you about uh, a truck driver that that made a mistake. Uh, so tell us a little bit about that. Yes. So in Texas, they want they want to make all the frontage roads one way. Uh, for the longest time, on the out of the in the outskirts of the big cities. The frontage roads were um, two-way. <clears throat> so over on the southwest side, over 90 and 1604 area, the the frontage roads were two-way. So um, there was a truck driver who had too much to drink one day, and he got in his truck, and he took off, and he was on the frontage road. Uh, he thought that he was still on the frontage road. He ended up going onto the exit ramp. Um, so he ended up going eastbound on the westbound lanes. And he hit a family, and it was a family of five, I believe. They're from Del Rio. It was a it was an airman who was stationed out in Laughlin Air Force Base, and they had came to San Antonio for a cheerleading competition. And he went head on with them, and it was it was such a you know the impact was so hard that they went over the median, over two lanes of the frontage road, um, over another median, and they ended up in the backyard of a neighborhood. That's awful. Yes, and uh, the only the only only one of the siblings ended up surviving, so they basically became a, a I mean, a foster child right, right there. Right, right. All because someone made a bad decision, and the truck driver lived. You know, hardly any injuries, and I mean, that's that's very tough. That's that's what I was talking about earlier. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's good and bad in every industry, and I mean, there's definitely some bad people in the in the trucking industry. Yeah. Well, we pray for that child and mm-hmm. hope that they're doing okay now. Another um, center in the news now is the guy that's being prosecuted for the murder of Tupac Shakur. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, what I read was that he's the only survivor of the the group that had been in the car when Tupac was shot. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, he wasn't the one that even fired the the gun but because he was known to be the ringleader of that group they're going to prosecute him for the murder anyway and in Nevada uh you can be prosecuted for the crime just for helping oh wow yeah i mean it's such a big case you know it's been i mean going on for i forgot how many years and well it was like the late 90s yeah. i think when that happened and i mean now that they're able to finally find someone and you know able to prosecute that that's good at least it's some kind of closure to the family you know to tupac's kid right yeah and uh so the saint for the week i wanted to talk about uh the Dominique, the okay. woman that you're working with now, mm-hmm. and the the company that you're helping her to build, mm-hmm. tell us about what you know about her. Um, so Dominique and I started working together back in New York Life, and and we would work you know different cases together. And when um, COVID hit, I, I went into the trucking industry, and you know I at that time I thought you know I I don't know if I'm gonna get back into life insurance um it's just you know I didn't know how long COVID was gonna was gonna last um well she you know went head first and she started a a company and a brokerage and she was able to pick up a bunch of carriers and and I mean she's doing good you know she's the first she's the youngest female to do to become a broker here in San Antonio and she's just, you know, killing it. She's starting, you know, she's got another company, Dominion Capital. And, you know, there's a bunch of different things that she's doing out here in the, in the area. Sounds like she's doing good work. She is, yeah. She's, she definitely cares about, um, you know, San Antonio. You know, she's, uh, she's not from here. She's from Houston, and she moved over here. She said, this is my city, and this is, you know, where I love it. And she's, she's definitely doing great things out here. I, I love the tagline, we don't close business, we open new relationships. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. That's and, really cool. And, it, and it's true because, you know, a lot of people, if you, a lot of people in the industry, they just see it as cases and, you know, you know, it's not, it's more impersonal. Um, with us, we try to, we, we care, you know, and that it, it's, it goes back to me wanting to help, you know, the blue collar businesses, you know, the business owners and individuals out that, you know, people can't help. You know, we built a relationship and we're able to, it makes it more personal. We want to do as best as we can for our clients. Yeah. So I wanted to say something else about life insurance because it's sort of a a pet peeve of mine for those that don't have it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that it's more important than uh, cable TV, Mm -hmm. Netflix, Hulu, Prime, whatever it is that you're watching i think it it it's the responsible thing to do if you're a spouse or if you're a parent to make sure that uh, they have money to keep going after you're gone and your income stops um so the the loss of income from somebody in the family that provides support to other people that's one of the big things that you're trying to replace using life insurance. What are some other uses of life insurance that are helpful after that breadwinner is gone? So for me, it's about building a legacy, you know, and, and leaving a legacy that you're going to be able to, that future be- uh, generations will be able to benefit from. Um, I want to leave, I want to leave generational wealth to my family you know, and to my kids' kids and my grandkids, my great-grandkids and so on. And well, that's always... What, what do you hope they will achieve by receiving that? They won't, For me, it's more... If it, They'll be able to focus on the things that they really want to do. You know, so, for example, my daughter, she's always wanted to be a teacher. Ever since she was three years old, she would line up her dolls and she would teach her dolls, the mm-hmm. ABCs and one, two, threes and everything. And and for me, you know, if something were to happen to me, well, she wouldn't have to worry about paying for college. You know, um, she would be able to just focus on college and get her grades and, you know, not have to worry about being able to pay for it. You know, mm-hmm. um, my wife, you know, will be able to pay off, you know, any properties that we have, you know, and she'll be will we be able to pass that down to future generations also if they if they have to, you know. Right. And that's always been huge for me is building that legacy. 
I had some other um, reasons for for life insurance. Um, can you think of anything else while I look at my notes here? Um, sure. I mean, you mentioned one, pay for college, mm-hmm. um, and then you mentioned another one when when you saw those sixty year old men swinging hammers. Mm-hmm. You mentioned retirement. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, retirement, life insurance in retirement is, is huge. You know, um, a lot of people don't don't know or they're not educated on, on the benefits of it. But some policies, they accrue cash value, and you're able to, you know, take loans from that. You're able to supplement some, some of your retirement planning. Um, I always use the analogy that, let, let's say, um, let's say you have money in both of your pockets, you know, and in your right pocket, there's a hole. You know, and it's just coming out, you know, you're just losing money and then you retire. And now you have to use some of that money also. So now you're losing it on both ends, you know, so that account is going to shrink. Now, what if you're able to now, what if you're able to use the money that's in your left pocket and you just let your you don't have to take out from, you know, the money from your right pocket and until it, you repair the hole that's in your pocket, mm-hmm. in your right pocket. Now, you know, you're, you're then it'll start to grow again and then you're able to. So you're able to use money from the life insurance, which would be your left pocket, instead of using money from, you know, a different investment account. Yeah, that's a good reason to have life insurance, too. Um, Another one would be charitable planning. Oh, that's a huge one. I have a client who, um, she loves animals, and her beneficiary is actually the, the, um, a, what is the ASCP? I forget what, I forget what it is, but um, it's the... You I know, don't remember animal. them either, but yeah. it's like a humane society. Exactly. It's for the humane society for, for animals, you mm-hmm. know, and that's always been her thing. She loves animals, and she stops and picks up turtles whenever they're trying to cross the, the road, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's one thing that's huge for her. And, you know, um, she doesn't have any children right now. <clears throat> she recently got married, so she was able to split some of it off, um, you know, name her husband as a, as a partial um, beneficiary, but... Definitely giving back to the Humane Society was huge for her. Great. Helps her accomplish her goals uh, now when she's living and after when she's gone. We have to take one more break, and when we come back, we'll be talking about legacy. So stay tuned. Discover the fascinating world of the law with Talk Law Radio. Listen to 9.30 a.m. The Answer every Saturday morning at 11 for insightful discussions and expert analysis. Then, don't miss out on a thrilling bonus segment every Sunday at 4.30 p.m. When Talk Law Radio's attorney, Todd Marquardt, offers his professional perspective on trending legal issues. Stay informed and engaged with the legal matters that shape our nation. Join Talk Law Radio for an enriching radio experience on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. And for more info, go to TalkLawRadio.com. 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt here with Carlos Garcia, who does uh, financial planning. His dream as a young man was to help people become financially secure, and he's doing that now. I found a quote. Never throughout history has a man who lived a life of ease left a name worth remembering. That was uh, Theodore Roosevelt. And so now we're going to be talking about legacy. And now it's time for the Talk Law Radio Legacy Spotlight. What's your legacy? Sponsored by Marquardt Law Firm. Because Marquardt Law Firm sponsors the show and because we focus on last wills, living trusts, and tax-protected inheritance plans, we like to ask our guest about legacy what do you want your legacy to be or what legacy have you received from those who have gone before you good question so i feel like my legacy i want my legacy to be someone that you know helps out and and has always given to back to the community Uh, like i said you know i grew up in an area where there's not a ton of resources so I want to give back to that area, you know. Um, one of my goals or my dreams is always to 
uh, has always been to open up a gym, um, you know, for basketball, you know what I mean, or volleyball. Uh, somewhere where the kids can go and and they can go and they can play and they can not worry about what's going on outside. You know, they can, you know, just enjoy themselves for a while, mm-hmm. you know. Um, some of the area where I grew up in, it's not the great the greatest area. So, you know, some sometimes, you know, it's, it's better to have a, a somewhere where you can go and feel safe. Yeah. So that's always been a legacy. And that's always – that's something I've always wanted to give back. I coach my son's basketball team in the past. I'm – um, I officiate basketball now and on, you know, in the evenings and, and it's going to be, and basketball has always been huge for me. So that's always, that's something that I want to give back, you know. What's that like? People yell at you for making bad calls? Yes. So yes, that's uh that's the tough part, right? So uh, on, on the coaching end, it's, you know, we're doing the yelling and, you know, the refs are definitely not on our side and, <laughs> And now that I'm officiating, now I'm getting to learn that side of things. And that that's I've, – I've always wanted to do it. It's been – you know, people have asked me, you know, why don't I officiate in the past? You know, I know the rules. And and now I finally, you know, jumped and I'm I'm doing it. And it, it's – it's you have to explain the rules to people sometimes, you know. And, and it, some people don't like the rules, but then when you explain it and, you know, then they realize, oh, okay, I understand it now and – now you can move on, you know, but mm-hmm. it's about educating, I guess, you know. Yeah, you're an educator yeah. at heart. Yeah. Tell us uh, about your parents. Uh, your parents have a wonderful story. Yes, so my mom is from El Salvador, and she moved here. I don't know what year she moved over here. I wasn't like it. And uh, so she moved out here, and she started working at uh, Levi's, and that's where she met my dad. And, um, you know, making the jeans, she did something, they both did something with sewing with the jeans. And, and then, you know, we were doing fairly well, you know, and then, um, Levi's decided to move their plant somewhere else. And, you know, we went from doing okay to, you know, really struggling for a little bit. And, uh, it was, um, it really made me realize that, you know, nothing is guaranteed. You know, you can have something that's really good and great and, you know, you're able to, you know, love what's going on and then all of a sudden it could be taken from you. So that's, you know, uh, kind of, I guess, cliche, but that's why you have to have the planning in place, you know, because you never know what's going to happen, you know, and that's that's always been huge for me, something that I learned as a kid. Um, needless to say, you know, they got back on their feet, you know, and that's taught me to never give up, you know, ne- always keep pushing forward, roll with the punches, and never give up. If you have a goal, you have a dream, you're able to accomplish it. You know, my mom's always wanted to have a house that she's able to pass down to either, you know, my siblings and I or grandkids or now great-grandkids. My nephew just had a baby, you know, about Mm -hmm. nine months ago. So, now, you know, they never gave up, and my mom's able to accomplish the goals. My dad's been right there, you know, helping getting everything done and, you know, adapting to the punches himself also you know he's you know had a few different he had to learn different things you know he after they got um after they got laid off my dad had to go to florida to work construction with uh one of uh, his friend that owns a construction company he went out there for well, like a month or something or two and i mean he had to do what he had to do you know? mm-hmm. hmm. yeah and I wanted to say something more on my soapbox about life insurance um, because I, I think that people have their priorities out of whack. And it may be because there's nobody that's ever told them mm-hmm. how important it is to have that. Exactly. Well, you have car insurance. You pray that your car never gets wrecked into. You have homeowner's insurance. You pray there's never a fire. Mm-hmm. And But – with your life, you know that you're going to die. Mm-hmm. We don't know that we're going to have a fire. Yeah. We don't know that we're going to have an accident, but we know someday we're going to die. And so we we need to have life insurance for that. And I'm sorry if this has happened to you, but if you go on Facebook and you ask for money f- through GoFundMe and you didn't have life insurance, but you had cable TV and you had Netflix and Hulu and or insurance and on your cell phone. 
Yeah, <laughs> insurance on the phone, but not on your life. That's the wrong order of priorities. It's like paying the electric bill or the water bill. You got to have pay that life insurance premium. So if nobody's ever told you that life insurance is important, I'm telling you now, and you have no excuse. Go out and find somebody to help you figure out what kind of policy to get and how much to be insured for, and all of that. Exactly. Because I had a friend in law school. Uh, after practicing for a few years, was tragically killed in a car accident. And he left a a wife and five kids under the age of 12 um, with no life insurance. And I know it's hard to raise five kids, (laughs) even as an attorney. And uh, I'm, I'm sure that's why he had a hard time, or maybe that's why, I don't know for sure, that that's why he didn't have life insurance. But that's why I'm telling everybody that I can to look into it and find a way to pay for it. And don't wait until you're old because yeah. of the underwriting. That's what I was going to add. Uh, you definitely want to get it, you know, the younger you are. Um, as we get older, I don't know very many people that get healthier as they get older. Um, I just had someone reach out to me a couple of months ago, their father-in-law was terminal, terminally ill, and they wanted to find some kind of policy that'll help. And at that point, I'm, there's really not much you can do. He was already going to go into hospice, and it was just a matter of time. And and it and it hurts. Yeah, I mean, you know, it bothers me a lot because um, it that's something that we could plan for ahead of time. You know, mm-hmm. and you know, maybe I didn't reach out in time. You know, maybe I could have done something different so that way I'm able to help them beforehand. But um, you know, it's it's just something that that you know, the the younger you are, the better because then your premiums will be a lot lower, underwriting will be a lot smoother. You, you know, we're I mean myself, I'm going to be 40 in I don't know, 4 or 5 months. So it's 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 I have plans in place, you know, I have plans for my children. So the earlier that you can get it, the better, you know. And if you get it for your kids and they're secured, you know, they don't they they won't have to go through underwriting later. That policy stays with them. Right. So say something more about uh, life insurance for children. Yes. So with life insurance uh, for children, it's like I said earlier, there's cash value that grows. You know, if your children go to school and they get scholarships and their college is paid for, then the cash value, they can use it for something else. You know, they could use it for to buy a car, to put a down payment on a house, to pay for a wedding. You know, there's different things that you can use the cash value for. And it, and if they don't need any help like that, well, then they just keep the policy forever and the, col- and the cash value just keeps growing and growing, you know. So the death benefit grows also on most of the policies that I use. So it's, I mean, the, the younger you're able to get it, the more that it's beneficial for everyone, you know, for your for your children. I'm glad that you mentioned your age because I've sort of noticed a pattern in younger clients that um, – a term life insurance policy is usually less expensive. Mm -hmm. And so when they start work, either out of high school or out of college, the ones that do buy life insurance sometimes buy the term policy because it's less expensive Mm -hmm. than the whole life policy. And then when they turn about 40, that's when they start making more money. Yes. And I think it's a good opportunity to convert the policy from a term policy to a whole life policy. Um, is is that an automatic thing, or what are some of the issues that come up there? So with having a term policy, so every policy, every, you know, client has different goals or concerns that they have, you know, and, and so it depends on their budget. You know, a lot of people when they're younger, they're starting off, like you said, and yeah, term policies are, are great. You know, the best policy to have is the one that's in place when you need it. Mm-hmm. That That's, you know, hands down the best advice that I can give. Um, and then as they get older, then they, a lot of the policies are convertible. So you're able to transition from a term policy to a whole life policy with I I believe it's like ten questions. It's a ten ten question page uh, form that we and you add, it's it's a health uh, questionnaire and then we convert it over and some um, policies give credits so your policy will be lower your first two years 
And, uh, you know, so that's that's huge right there. It's a good question to ask when you're buying the term policy. Mm -hmm. Will I be able to convert this later? Exactly. Yes, yes. Um, Because some policies you can't, you know, and uh, most of the ones that I work with you can um, just because of that aspect right there, just so that way we're able to to um, to convert it from a term policy over to a whole life policy because as you get older, that's what you want to have. You want to have a policy that's going to last for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Because then after that point, you don't have to revisit your health concerns every year with the insurer. Exactly, yeah. Once you get a whole life policy, then your your health questions and your underwriting is all set already. Um, If you have a term policy... You know, at the end of that term period, you're going to have to requalify, um, so that way you're able to get another policy. If you, and if you convert it over from a term to a whole life, then like I said, it's it's a few questions that we ask, and then you, from there it approves, or you know they decline it from there. But I haven't seen very many that get declined. Good. Okay. Well, we've had a good show about uh, life insurance, financial security, trucking, oil field. Um, how does all this fit with your life, your faith plan, your faith? So with faith, um, so I recently started going going back to church in, I think it was March or April. And um, it all goes together because it's all part of a plan, you know, and you have to be able to prepare and leave a legacy, you know. I can see God's plan through your life. Thank you. It's awesome. Thank you for being with us. I appreciate it. Thank you. I'm Todd. I'll talk to you later. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.